Hey KD Time listeners, welcome back to another episode of KD Time. It's been a busy week for me trying to record and edit this particular episode while keeping up with the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. As I record this, currently USA has the most medals with gold, silver, and bronze under our belts. I'm Team USA all the way. The USA rolled up to the Olympics heavy with one of the highest numbers of participants in an Olympics. We squad up. Speaking of squads, in this episode, I'm going to compare four TV shows that have similarities in their characteristics. This episode is called Squad Goals, mostly because in each of these episodes, there are at least four girlfriends that are key to what I'm going to talk about today. The shows that I'm going to talk about today are Golden Girls, Living Single, Girlfriends, and Pretty Little Liars. I know there are a lot more shows that have four main girl characters, but these shows are the ones that I've seen all the way through its entirety. If you are thinking of some of the other shows, there's Sex in the City, Desperate Housewives, The Facts of Life, Girls, Mistresses, and many, many more. And when I say mistresses, I'm talking about the latest version, the 2013 to 2016 version. There are four women on screen for each of these shows and it's fantastic, but there are so many shows. I've seen a lot of four women cast ensembles, but I chose these four shows to get my point across. What is my point, you might ask? Well, why is it that there is always a mother type, a childlike type, an iron maiden, and a sex symbol. When I said those four things, what came to your mind for any of the shows that I've spoken about already? Think about it. Think about it. Before I get into the shows, I have to say, spoiler alert. Everything I'm about to talk about will be spoiled. So if you haven't seen any of these shows and you want to see the shows, and you don't want to be spoiled, then do not listen to this right now. Go and watch the shows and then come back and listen to the episode and see if what I'm saying makes any sense. If you haven't seen any of the shows and you want to still listen, that's amazing. If you've seen, if you have seen these shows, then you should know exactly what I'm talking about. So what's similar? The friend groups have already been established by each show's start. Each relationship is unique and they really do rely on one another each episode. With of course some fights here and there, they still find a way to still be friends at the end of each episode. The Iron Maiden, or for lack of better words, the hard ass is usually the one who's always thinking logically and work is a priority to them. They compete in a male dominated field and are consistently viewed as the ones who usually have it all figured out and kept together. The child of the group is traditionally the funny one, also sometimes perceived as a ditz, not so smart. They are viewed as the baby who needs to be protected from the world while also still learning even though she is old enough to know. Then there's the sex symbol. The sex symbol is always talking about sex and obsessed with their appearance and easily gets jealous over the other girls or just in general from other people around her and they get jealous 
over anyone else who has the spotlight. If the spotlight is not directly on them, they feel like their world is ending, that they're not pretty enough, they're not good enough, they're not this and they're not that. It's very eye-opening when you watch four shows that have the same kind of attributes to their characters. And finally, we have the mother of the group. She is the one that holds everyone together and provides much needed and much appreciated emotional support to the other girls. The way these women are portrayed would seem as though that is how all women act. And it's not. It makes me think though, it does make me think, which am I in my own group? Sometimes I feel like the mom of the group, the one who's making the decisions, the one who's trying to keep everybody together, the one who people come to for advice and emotional support. But sometimes I also feel like I'm childish at times. Like I don't always do or say the right thing and sometimes I need to be protected. Let's just say I know that I'm not self-absorbed, but I really don't have any idea on which one I really am in my own friend group. I mean, I could be the Iron Maiden, but I don't think so because I'm not really in a male-dominated field right now. So my career choice is not really affecting me gender-wise. So I'm not competing with other people for my job. But I am a competitive person when it comes to some games like board games, card games, physical games like soccer, basketball, volleyball. I get really into that. I think that's just about wanting to win. And like I said about Team USA, we want to win. We want to bring home the gold. That's something that's instilled in us to want to win and be victorious. It's also good to not be a sore loser. We don't want to do that because sore losers are usually the ones that are the sexually obsessed. They don't like losing at all and they make it known that they don't like losing. If anything, I'd say I'm obsessed with TV. I've already spoken about it enough. My last two episodes were about TV, so yeah, I'm definitely obsessed with TV, not with myself. <laughs> so let's get into the shows, right? First up, we have Golden Girls. Some of their highlights are that the sitcom was actually created by a woman, her name is Suzanne Harris, that originally aired on NBC from 1985 to 1992. They had 180 half-hour episodes across seven seasons. The series stars four older women who share a friendship and a home in Miami, Florida. The show's premise involved an ensemble cast with a plot that always revolved around the four older single women. Three widows and one divorcee sharing one home in Miami, Blanche's home. I'll talk about her later. So Blanche puts out an ad in a bulletin in a local grocery mart and the show promptly starts about a year later so it just basically shows who looked at the ad and was like oh well let me look into this and see if this is something i want to do the pilot episode starts with an in-house cook but is removed because the majority of the conversations and character building moments between the women happen in the kitchen and it was written that having that in-house cook would sort of take away from the girl's friendship and their relationship. That'll just be another added person to create plot lines for. And for someone who is just an in-house cook, 
it wasn't as prominent for them to have have one they could all cook for themselves basically i think the cook was just there for when blanche was alone and then when the girls came it just made sense for him to transition out not that we actually saw him leave but i think that's what makes sense that he transitioned out of the show because now that you have four women in the house and they could all cook then you don't really need an in-house cook (laughs) although i would love an in-house cook that would be dope like, hey, make me some food, please. Thank you. (laughs) The girls, they talk a great length while eating meals or cheesecake. Usually, Rose, another person I'll talk about later, will tell a story from her childhood when she lived in St. Olaf, her hometown. And there was actually a spinoff that was created from the show called The Golden Palace, featuring three of the four women buying a hotel to run. The next show, and watch this y'all, the next show is Living Single. Some of their highlights are, it was an American television show, half hour sitcom, airing for five seasons with 118 episodes on Fox. Get this, it came out literally a year after Golden Girls ended. Came out in 1993 to 1998 and was created by another woman, Yvette Lee Bowser. The show centered around six friends living in Brooklyn, New York, sharing personal and professional experiences. An extremely popular African-American sitcom of its time. The series' focus was on two different households in the same brownstone apartment. So, for example, one of the apartments housed the trio of women. It had Khadija, it had Regine, and it had Sinclair. They all lived in the same apartment. Then above them was their two male friends, Kyle and Overton. So there was the five of them in the same brownstone. And then they had an outside friend, Maxine, who lived in her own apartment somewhere else in the city. But majority of the conversations were held in the brownstone. So that's why, you know, the brownstone was the set piece for what we saw in almost every episode. Sometimes we'd see them be in different places, but for the most part, everything came back to the brownstone. Now, it should be noted that Living Single had some inspiration for the hit TV show Friends. The trio of women living in the brownstone consisted of two cousins and a childhood friend. The two cousins were Khadija, and Sinclair and their childhood friend, Regine. The fourth female, like I said, lived in her own apartment but would frequently come over announced and sometimes unannounced, which would get on Regine's nerves. And she would come to the brownstone and spent time with everyone, including the boys. The next show, Girlfriends. Highlights, get this y'all. American situational Sitcom. Situational sitcom basically means that each episode was a direct link into the next episode. So each episode was connected. Whatever happened in the previous episode continued into the next episode. That's what situational sitcom means. So this situational sitcom half hour TV series was out from 2000 to 2008 had eight seasons with 172 episodes. 
2000. When did I say the living single ended? 1998. So two years later, two years later, we have another TV show that says, boom, we're going to do the whole four girlfriend group thing and have some other supporting characters that are male. Don't get me wrong, because Golden Girls had their supporting characters who were male. They would come and go, most notably as Dorothy's ex-husband, Stan. So each of these shows had their fair share of men. And just wait till we get to Pretty Little Liars. But yeah, 172 episodes over eight seasons on UPN. UPN, I think I said it last episode or even the episode before that, UPN and the WB merged together to create the CW. So UPN doesn't exist anymore, okay? And the show, this show, Girlfriends, was created by a woman. I think women creating shows about women for women, that's just amazing. Women know women. <laughs> created by Mara Brock Akil. The premise of this show follows four African-American friends and an honorary member of the group, William, Joan's co-worker and good friend living in L.A., who share their personal and professional lives with one another. It got canceled in early 2008, and when I rewatched it on Netflix, I was still hurt. I, I remember being hurt by how, how it ended. So I found out something interesting while I was rewatching the show, because before, when I was younger and I watched the show, I didn't know who I was going to see, but the late Naya Rivera was actually in the last episode of Girlfriends. She was so young. And I was like, oh, wow. When I watched it, I felt very sad, but like sad on another level because that was the last episode, one. And two, that was, you know, one of Naya Rivera's first acting debuts. And I just got sad because, you know, she's gone now. And that sucks. Naya Rivera is from Glee for anyone who doesn't know who she is. She played the character of Santana. Back to the show at hand, Girlfriends had a spin-off show featuring Tia Mori's character. She's a cousin of Joan. Played Her character was Melanie and she was a medical student who basically followed her boyfriend to San Diego as he was a newly drafted football player. The show is called The Game. It's also on Netflix and, you know, on different streaming sites and it had a pretty good successful spin-off which is amazing the other thing with girlfriends is from the pilot episode to the season finale we see each girl deal with dating marriage love friendship and frenemy situations majority of the conversations take place in Jones home so that's one thing for sure with all of these TV shows is that there's always a central home for everybody to go to talk. Sometimes they go out to eat and talk there. Like in Girlfriends, they had a restaurant that they would go to very frequently and talk and, and enjoy food. But for the most part, they were always at somebody's house. The last show, Pretty Little Liars, has some highlights. It's an American teen drama mystery thriller TV series. That's one of the biggest differences between Pretty Little Liars and the rest of the TV shows I've already mentioned. 
It's longer. It has 40, 41 to 45 minute episodes, 160 of them. It was also developed by a woman, I, Marlene King, and is loosely based on the novel series of the same name written by Sarah Shepard. It was created on ABC Family from, get this, 2010 to 2017. Come on, y'all. Come on. Two years after Girlfriends kicks the bucket, we get another show focused on four women and their lives on TV. I don't know if there was another show after that that came out. It would have come out a couple years ago that has centered around four women. I'd have to find more TV shows similar to these that I'm talking about that's specifically just for women. But I think that after a while, maybe it's girls, I don't know. But after a while, I think, you know, the whole TV show just focusing on four women type thing has dwindled in the TV world. It's not as prominent as it used to be, which is a perfect opportunity to bring it back if you ask me. If you bring it back, that's just how it should be. So this series follows the lives of four high school girls. That's the other difference, is that all the other women, each of their shows, they're all grown up. Living single and girlfriends, they are in their late 20s, early 30s. And with Golden Girls, they're the only ones that are old enough to be everybody mama on this list and maybe grandmama. <laughs> so it's just interesting how that is two of the biggest differences between these shows is age and race, right? So Pretty Little Liars, like, like I said, it's four high school girls whose clique is actually shattered when they find out one of their key parties is missing. So it's, it's supposed to be five girls, but one of their friends go missing and a year later, the girls are, in lack of better terms, harassed by a mysterious A who threatens to expose the girls' deepest secrets. So every other show, like Girlfriends is set in LA, Golden Girls is in Miami, we have Living Single in New York, now Pretty Little Liars is in Rosewood, Pennsylvania. The friends who were good friends their lives take different directions but they're reunited when they receive messages and they find out that allison is missing that's the person allison allison goes missing a year later they think they found her body and it's a whole big thing trying to figure out who did what and how did this happen to this young girl it's bananas watching the show i remember when it first came out and i was sitting there and i'm like Huh, like these girls got some splaining to do. <laughs> yeah, so they receive messages from a mysterious identity named A, later turned into AD. And so that person starts threatening them and tortures them, like from a distance, mind you. Like this person has all the power because of technology. That's really their biggest weapon is their technology and then they somehow have access to a lot of different i'm gonna go i'm going on a tangent i'm sorry i'm sorry they they it's just ridiculous how much 
access that this one person has and how much influence they have over the girls. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But the girls, you know, they made mistakes, they made lies, but they're teenagers. This is what teenagers do. They lie. They make mistakes. So these lies were told before and after Allison's disappearance. That's the other thing. Allison's name starts with A, so they assume that it's just her faking her death or faking her disappearance and sort of bullying them because they never found her. I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I enjoyed the show up until maybe the fourth or fifth season. That's when it got kind of wonky and I was like, eh, I don't really want to watch this. But I finished it and I was like, yeah, that ending was wild. <laughs> the ending to that show was wild. And so the other crazy part is that these four teenagers, these four young girls, now have to subsequently take on the challenge of trying to figure out who this A person is. Is it Allison? Is it somebody else? Who is it? We never know. The TV doesn't tell us. We only get to see the back of this person majority of the time is a hoodie so we never see this person until like certain big moments where a is revealed and it's like what oh my gosh <laughs> this series this tv show also created some spin-offs such as ravenswood pretty dirty secrets and pretty little liars the perfectionists which all sadly None of them have had the same success. I think they all maybe made it to one season, maybe two. I know The Perfectionist did not make it to a second season. They barely made it through the first season and I felt bad for them, but I was just kind of like, I am not about to sit here and watch more lies from pretty little girls. No, thank you. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Now that I've talked about each of the shows and gave you some type of insight on where I'm going with my current topic, my point. So I talked about how each of these shows portrays a certain trope, whether they're the Iron Maiden, the mother, the child, or the sex symbol. When I talked about these shows, even if, even if you might not have seen any of these shows, I will reveal who I mean by these different tropes. But if you have seen these shows and you're thinking back, you're thinking back to a time where you were watching the shows and you're just like, oh yeah, that's totally such and such. That's what I'm going for here. So let's talk about the girls. Each series was seen as groundbreaking, especially with Golden Girls. It was about older women in prime time. Who knew that four older women would be hilarious to watch on TV and to see the fact that they can still have lives of their own and still want love lives and still, you know, wonder about their career and wonder about, you know, what's next for them. With the added bonus of, mm, I'm getting up there in age, so I kind of want to do certain things to make sure that I'm able to still do them. Groundbreaking. Living single broke so many barriers by being, you know, on TV in general. Like it broke so many racial barriers, especially in the early 90s. Seeing a TV show like that was, wasn't really a thing. You know, they had maybe some TV shows like Martin or, you know, something of, uh, around that time frame. But for the most part, there wasn't TV shows like that back then. 
So living single was a big deal, especially to the African-American community. And each of these shows were on the air for a great significant amount of time. Like when you make it to a hundred episodes, that is a milestone. I mean, Grey's Anatomy has made it to, uh, I think, 200, 300 episodes by now. But just to, you know, make it to 100 episodes is a accomplishment. It's an accomplishment because a lot of shows don't make it. A lot of shows don't even make it past two seasons. It's tragic. It's absolutely tragic how many TV shows get axed after like the first season or even not even make it to the first full season. It's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. Girlfriends was on the air for eight seasons. Pretty Little Liars was on the air for seven seasons. And it was different because it dealt with teenagers and they were dealing with a murderer on the loose, as well as being constantly tormented by an anonymous person. Because at the same time, some the murderers in the show weren't always the A who was tormenting them. It was crazy. <sighs> Let me bring it back, reel myself in. For this episode, I'll only really be talking about the first seasons because that is where we see the developments of each character. We get to see how they became friends. We get to see what makes them who they are, the supporting characters along the way who help them in different ways and sometimes even see how they bond as friends or get into friendly situations. What brought them together initially? What was their interactions and everything? I'll talk about the similarities between the women with their archetypes that are seen throughout their characteristics. So in Golden Girls, we have Dorothy Petrillo Zabornak, who's played by Bay Arthur, a substitute teacher, Rose Nyland, Betty White, a grief counselor, Blanche Devereaux, Rue McLennan, an art museum administrator, and Sophia Petrillo, Estelle Getty, mother of Dorothy. Now, I don't think that Sophia had a job on the show because she was in a nursing home, so I'm pretty sure she was retired from whatever job that she said she would do. So she just kind of like hung out and was the mother of Dorothy, and she would ask Dorothy for money to go do things, and sometimes she was definitely a little schemy schemy like it's sort of hinted at most of her stories that she could have been part of a mob so you know she had her ways of getting getting things done not in a real mob-like mentality but more so like i know how to get something if i need to get something basically <laughs> the next show living single has khadijah james which who was played by Queen Latifah. She's an editor and a publisher of Magazine Flavor. Sinclair James, Kim Coles, an aspiring actress. You know, it's funny. I know Kim Coles. I actually do. I actually know her. Uh, she was good friends with my late caretaker. And yeah, like my caretaker had a picture of her and had her information. So yeah, I know a celebrity, guys. Next. Maxine Shaw, played by Erica Alexander. She's an attorney. So that's a big deal that she's an attorney. Big deal. Pay attention to that. And Regine Hunter, played by Kim Fields. 
she didn't really have a definitive job in the beginning, like in season one, but later on down the line, she became a costume assistant and then finally a wedding planner. But in the first season, she didn't really have a job. Not that I could see, like they didn't really develop her character in her career. They mostly just showed her as a friend who lives in the apartment with the other two girls. Girlfriends. Joan Clayton Esquire, played by Tracy Ellis Ross. She's an attorney, an aspiring junior partner, later turned restaurant co-owner. When that happens in the later season, she co-owns a restaurant with William. So that's pretty cool. Lynn Searcy, played by Persia White, who's a professional student and later aspiring singer Indigo Sky. Antoinette, Tony Child slash Garrett. She does get married, that's why I said slash. Garrett, but she does emphasize the fact that she's Tony Childs. So <laughs> she's played by Jill Marie Jones, who's a real estate agent, and yeah, she's making bank. Okay, and Maya Wilkes, played by Golden Brooks, who's a wife slash mother, and she's Jones' legal assistant up until she creates a book and she becomes a book author to the book Oh Hell Yes, and the last show, Pretty Little Liars with Spencer Hastings, played by Trurian Belisario, Hannah Martin, played by Ashley Benson, Aria Montgomery, Lucy Hale, and Emily Fields, Shay Mitchell. Now, I think it's pretty obvious that they're all students, so they don't have jobs. They do, however, get some jobs here and there, but they don't start off with jobs. They literally start off with being students in school, like freshmen or sophomore year that's where we see them that's where we connect with them so that's the girls okay so when i said pay attention to their jobs if they might have a part to play but not necessarily it only really affects the ones who i deem are iron maidens speaking of the iron maidens the iron maidens to me when i watch these shows are clearly dorothy maxine joan and spencer now for those four women, why did I say that they're Iron Maidens? Because of their drive. They can easily portray the Iron Maiden description of a being that has a strong sense of self. They don't need a man in their life because they are independent and they typically achieve high status. They are ambitious and competitive, often seen as too hot to handle for men because of their can-do attitude. Each of these women, especially in the first season, they do show attributes that say that they could want men because they deal with certain situations. Like Dorothy is the only divorcee of the four girls in Golden Girls. Everybody else, their husband has been deceived since the, before the start of the season. They all lost their husband to death. But Dorothy actually lost her husband to infidelity. Stan was a cheater. He cheated on her. So that's why she's a divorcee. But Dorothy, Maxine, Joan, and Spencer each have their own different struggles with men, but that doesn't always take away from their drive to be competitive, from their ambition to do the best that they can in their career fields. That's why I said pay attention to Max in her attorney field, because that is what drives her. She loves being an attorney. She loves 
the law. She loves being right. She loves kicking butt in the courtroom. Okay. Iron maidens can be tough, but they can also be considered the mothers of the group. Why? Because a lot of the times when you have a strong sense of self person in your midst, you always tend to think they might have the answers or the best answers to certain situations and they help you make decisions. They tend to make decisions that affect the group in a more stable light. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes. They bring forth the most feminist perspective of all the other archetypes. Archetype meaning a typical example of a certain person or thing. They are often depicted as independent. Dorothy, Maxine, Joan, and Spencer, each of them do not have a man to start the, ep- like maybe the pilot episode. Each of them are single. Okay. They don't have boyfriends. They don't have husbands. They're all single and they do exude the type of independence that we see. They're often depicted as independent and in no serious need of a man, but at the same time, they're vulnerable to men who open them up and break down their walls. That's absolutely true. For Dorothy, in the Golden Girls' first season, we automatically see how she reacts to to being wanted, like when she wants to go on a date or when she comes in contact with Stan. Now, Stan pushes her buttons. They were married for 38 years, so of course, it's going to be difficult for her to not be angry with him whenever he comes around. But there is an episode where they get together and he's thinking, oh yeah, we're going to be together forever now. And she's like, mm, no, pause, about my face, right? And with Joan, her first pilot episode, her own friend brings an ex that she was dating a year ago. It's her birthday. She's upset about it, but she tries not to tries not to put on that kind of approach. She tries to indep- like be that independent, strong self that says, I don't care that you just brought my ex who I was with for however many years and we only broke up just a year ago. Friends, don't bring your man, if you that's who you want to call him, don't bring your man to your best friend's birthday who she already dated. No, that's not cool. There, even if there's a bunch of time that has passed, it's still a no-go. Girl code, okay? Sheesh. Anyway, I'm sorry. Normally, normally the Iron Maiden's independence would shine as strength, especially when it comes to standing up for what's right and unjust. Her comparison to a goddess would be Artemis. Artemis is a confident, strong, goal-oriented, independent, and embodies feminist ideals. Wouldn't you agree? I think that all of these women are goddesses in their own way, and we're going to explore all of them. The child, or the children of the group, Rose, Lynn, Sinclair, and Hannah are the children of their respective groups. Rose especially. Rose is treated like a child by Sophia, Blanche, and Dorothy. Sometimes all at the same time, sometimes on one-on-one situations, but a lot of the times Rose will get, you know, into a groove of talking about a story from St. Olaf, and she doesn't quite pick up on the fact that each of the other girls are like, please stop. 
Like they give her, they give her, you know, looks, they give her sarcasm and she just doesn't, she doesn't care. She doesn't, it's not, well, it's not that she doesn't care. She doesn't realize that it's happening. So a lot of the times the Iron Maiden, Dorothy, will tell her to shut up or, you know, she's mean to her in a way that, you know, she'll say something and Rose is just kind of like, where, what, who? And you just look at them, each of them, you just look at them with that sad, like, aw, honey. But each of them are in a different type of childlike behavior. So Rose and Sinclair are very similar when it comes to their bubbly personality, where they always kind of find joy in every little thing that they do. Lynn is a baby because she physically gets taken care of. Joan takes care of Lynn as if Lynn was her child. And it gets to a certain point in the first season where it's just kind of like, Lynn, get yourself together. Like you're a grown woman, you you have all these degrees, do something with it. And then Hannah is the child of her group because once again, she's like not all there in the head. Like she makes dumb decisions and it comes out where in the first, in her first season, her mom has to protect her, but her mom does it in a different way. And just for the record, the pretty little liars moms could also be seen as some of these tropes just so you know they definitely exude some of the stuff here so the children of the group they're seen as immature and naive often they usually say silly things and care about romance a lot they care about having a romance a lot like you know Sinclair she wants the knight in shining armor Rose also wants the knight in shining armor Lynn, not really wanting the knight in shining armor, but she does want romance in terms like she could also be seen as the sexually obsessed because of how she goes about her sex life. But she's still kind of a baby where she has to be told no. <laughs> but, you know, that's just how they operate, each of those women. The children of the group don't always make the best decisions and serve as less competent dependents. Sad but true. Often going to the mother or Iron Maiden of their groups for guidance and help. A lot of times I watch these shows and you'd see each and every one of them go to either Joan or Dorothy, whichever, whichever group it was. Sinclair wouldn't always go to Maxine for help. She would most likely go to her big cousin because that's her big cousin. And Maxine, yeah, she could have some type of mother tendencies. It really depended on the situation, but for the most part, not so much. When compared to a goddess, their characteristics are the same as Persephone. Persephone is the goddess who is passive, compliant, and childlike. Someone who is seen as weak and in need of rescue. Fun fact, Persephone is actually the daughter of Demeter, who is goddess of harvest who sort of portrays the mother-like type hmm, who knew i did because i did the research but yeah next we have the sex symbols blanche regine tony and aria are the sex objects of their groups now it should be noted that both blanche regine and tony all all are exactly the same in the ways that they attract men. They flaunt their sexual style, dress in ways to attract men, and care about themselves over others. 
They brag about who they were with and how easy it is for them to attract a man. The three of these ladies do that, absolutely. The reason why I chose Aria as one of the sex symbols is because of the fact that almost every guy that she comes in contact with wants to be with her. So it's more about the guys in her TV world and not so much her being like, oh, I'm so beautiful, oh, I'm so sexy, oh, I can get any man that I want. It's more about the guys who want to be with her. So it's Allison's brother, it's some of the guys at school, it's, you know, big spoiler alert, her gosh darn teacher, <laughs> okay? So, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, crazy, absolutely crazy. But the sex object is seen as desirable, wanted, needed. They downplay their intellect because they want to be wanted. They do. Like Blanche, Regine, Tony, and Arya, they're all smart women. They are. They're all smart women. They make decisions that benefit themselves, but they downplay their intelligence so that they can get a man. Because a man who sees a weak woman, not, okay, this is just TV world's talk that I'm speaking, but sometimes it happens in real life too. A man that sees a weak lady wants to protect them, wants to be there for them, wants to do everything for them because sometimes it makes them feel better as men. They want to be strong. They want to be seen as the breadwinners. They want to be seen as the guys who can provide and make decisions for their lady and themselves. So these women, they, they tend to downplay it hard downplay their intellect hard so they do not upset the guy. It's shown in the episodes to all the way, all the way. Regine, for example, Regine, she's more of the type of person that if she sees somebody that she wants, she, they have to have a certain list. Her and Tony are very similar in this way. They have to have a certain list of requirements for them to even be accepted into their bubble, into their world. But Blanche, on the other hand, Blanche is like, well, I have a little black book and I can call up whoever I want and I can be with anybody I figure or choose and so on and so forth. For the most part, Blanche is the one that will always, almost always have a man on her arm. She can call up anybody she wants. She can have anybody she wants, literally. <laughs> In almost every episode, it's the same. She gets a man and they don't stay till the till the next episode. <laughs> so this trope, this trope characterizes women solely by their beauty and sexuality. They are equivalent to the goddess Aphrodite. One song that came to mind as soon as I had said Aphrodite was, and if it comes to your mind too, then awesome. But one song that came to mind is She's So High by Tal Bachman because of the lyrics. I mean, he literally says Aphrodite in the lyrics, but in his lyrics, he's saying he's so enamored by this one person, this one person who is so high above me, she's so lovely, and he puts himself down because he doesn't think that he could, he can match her, he doesn't think that he deserves her. Isn't that wild? Absolutely wild. But Aphrodite is the goddess of love and beauty, and her power comes from her sex appeal, her sexuality. The mothers of the group. Sophia, Khadijah, Maya, and Emily. They are all perceived as the mother figures of their groups. 
seen more as a supporter and level-headed person. They generally provide emotional comfort and support for those around them. Why did I choose them? Well, two of them are actual mothers. Sophia and Maya, they have children. Sophia's daughter is Dorothy. Maya has a son named Jabari. Emily, she's a teenager. She doesn't have kids yet. You know, she, she's not there yet. And Khadijah, well, she hasn't had a relationship to have children like that. But she wants that. And it does happen for her at the end of the series. But for that first season, Khadijah and Emily, nope, they don't have kids. But they have friends that, or in Khadijah's case, she has a younger cousin that she has to protect. You know, and Emily tries to protect Hannah and Sophia tries to protect all the girls in Golden Girls. She tries to protect them by giving them good advice and by letting them know like, hey, what you're doing might not work for you, but if you want to do it, go ahead. She's not really a hands-on kind of parent. She's more of a, I'm going to say something and it's going to resonate because what I say sticks with you regardless if you like it or not. That's the kind of parenting she does. And so Maya, Maya's a physical mom. She's a, she's a wife. You know, she has a young son and she's doing all of this stuff to make it work for her family. Working at the law office and helping her friends. Each of these, each of these ladies prioritize their family and friends. They do. You know, Emily has an interesting background with her parents and just her life and everything because it's different. So like the Sophia, Khadijah, and Maya are all grown up. They already made their decisions. They're already living without consequence because they're they're not living with their parents. But Emily still has to live with her parents. And she does learn a lot of good, valuable lessons from them as to how to be and who she should be amongst her friends. Like the type of person she wants to be with her friends. The mothers of the group are supportive, helpful. They advise each other. They are comforters. The mother of the group is usually looked to for emotional advice or support who will more often than not listen to the others of the group. Most women represent this maternal instinct in all aspects of their lives, whether it's with close friends, friends in general, or in the workplace with coworkers. The maternal goddess, similar to this trope, like I said before, is Demeter. Demeter is the goddess of harvest and she's the mother of Persephone. So these four women, they try to help their friends. Sophia tries to help her actual daughter and, and her daughter's friends. Khadijah tries to help her cousin and her childhood friend and her college friend, Maxine. And she tries to also help the guys of the group, Overton and Kyle. Like she's always the type of person that's keeping everybody level-headed and calm in certain situations. Maya has an interesting approach to being the mother of the group like she does choose to make the right decisions majority of the time especially in the first season again this is all first season people as the seasons go on for some of them some of their character dynamics do change and they do fit into some of the other tropes but for the most part a lot of these women do not venture too far out into the other tropes okay like they they usually always focus or center themselves back into the mother, the sex symbol, or the Iron Maiden or the child of the group. 
That's just how the TV shows were written. Okay, Each of these women can at times fall into the other tropes because people do that, but they don't all fit compactly into one thing. You know, we are all versatile and have many different types of things that make us who we are today. That is the beauty of being human beings, is that we're not all the same. We're not one thing. We could be 10 hundred things. We could be two things. But we're not just one thing. Never have, never will be. We will always have all of these different attributes about ourselves and we change over time. We're not going to be the same as we were as teenagers and being, you know, older women in our 60s and 70s like the Golden Girls. We're not going to be the same when it comes to being, you know, in our 20s or in our 30s. I'm not thinking like how I was when I was a teenager. I I remember what I used to think and I know whatever I'm thinking now isn't going to be the same in the next 20 or 30 years. We change. We evolve. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. If you have seen any of these shows, you would see how similar these characters are, regardless of the obvious differences like their age and race. There are several other depictions of the common tropes displayed here. You'd have to watch to really understand what I'm talking about, but for those first seasons of each of these episodes, it's in your face how much these character tropes reflect each of the women I've described. So let's recap. We talked about with each episode how each woman fits into either the Iron Maiden archetype, the mother, the childlike archetype, and the sexual object. We talked about how you can see some of these archetypes being displayed heavily in certain episodes. Those attributes to these archetypes are exuberant in each show. When you look at Dorothy, you tell me which of the four archetypes you see. When you look at Rose, Blanche, Sophia, what do you see? What do you see? When you look at From Living Single, Khadijah, Maxine, Sinclair, Regine, like it became prevalent to me when I rewatched both of those shows because I did it last year. Thank you, COVID. But those two shows I rewatched and I was just like, wow. It's like watching a mirror image of each other, only their only differences was race and age and where they were living and what they were doing with their lives. The most eye-catching thing about each of these shows is the fact that each one of them came one after the other, maybe a couple years in between, but they literally came on TV one after the other. So I said that the Golden Girls ended in 1992. 1992. A year later, we get Living Single. Coincidence? I think not. Living Single ended in 1998. Two years later, we get Girlfriends. Came out in 2000. Again, two years later after Girlfriends, we get Pretty Little Liars, which came out in 2010. 
Come on, people. Come on, people. The TV industry knows what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Because for me, like I said, like, Living Single and Golden Girls was a little bit before my time. And when I say that, I mean that literally for Golden Girls, but Living Single wasn't a show for me to watch. The years that it was on, I was paying attention to all kinds of cartoons, all kinds of kid shows, anything that I could watch that I was allowed to watch, that's what I watched. So when I got older and I was in college and I was like, oh, well, what am I supposed to watch? I decided to watch Living Single. I was able to watch it. I was able to watch Golden Girls on different syndicated TV show programmings. And I watched. And it didn't click to me that these two shows were very similar, but also different. And then with Girlfriends, I was like, oh, snap, I could watch that. Granted, I was still pretty young at the start of it. But as the series went on, I got to watch because I was getting older. But I mean, a lot of the stuff wasn't pertaining to me, so it didn't really matter. I was just watching it for the drama, like anybody else was. And then Pretty Little Liars came out at the peak of my young teens, or my late teens and early 20s. So I was definitely watching Pretty Little Liars, mostly because I was just kind of like, this looks interesting. It's a different type of spin on four girls who are trying to live their lives. So, yeah. Each of these women, they just have a similarity to them. My girlfriends, Joan, Lynn, Tony, Maya. The theme song is called My Girlfriends. They're through thick and thin. My girlfriends, they're for anything. These four women go through probably the most back and forth, backhanded, frenemy, backstabbing out of all of the shows that I mentioned today. They are messy. Their friendship is messy. You would think, looking from an outsider's point of view, and with rewatching it because it, it got put on Netflix, rewatching the show, I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of like, y'all are hecka messy, especially Tony and Joan. And Maya's messy, in her own right because she lives for the drama. Lynn is just lazy and messy. She's on a whole different kind of messy in terms of she don't like to do much for herself and just mooches off of everybody she can. But that show, they created some messy behaviors and some messy, just messy. It's just messy. <laughs> and to be coming off right off the heels of Living Single, which wasn't as messy. It's just like, was that the era of messy girlfriends? Where you get backhanded on the beach of Jamaica? Man, that... <laughs> I think it happens in season two. Maya makes the joke of, of Joan being B-slapped all up and down Jamaica. <laughs> That episode still cracks me up because it's just like, girl, you put it on yourself. You did it to yourself. Y'all both did it to yourselves. And then with Pretty Little Liars, they're all in high school. They're all in high school. So it's like, there's no escape. And then they're kept in their area because of the mysterious A. So I really was just watching the show to figure out who A was, like almost everybody else who watched. Like, who is this mysterious A? And then trying to, at the same time, guess 
who amongst the people that they already know was also doubling as a mysterious uh, dark hooded person who just sort of popped up at the end of each episode. Got a secret, can you keep it? Swear this one you'll save. That theme song is pretty dark too. But it fit, it fit, it fit the series. It fit the series, it fit everything that had anything to do with it. But Spencer, Hannah, Aria, and Emily, it was, it was a lot of teenage angst and a lot of lying. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I understand that the show is called Pretty Little Liars, but these girls literally had the opportunity almost every other episode, some episode to tell the truth and they still was lying it was like i i thought that you guys would have would have come up with better ways to go about things but you just keep lying you lying to your parents you're lying to each other you're lying to your your boyfriends or whatever i'm just like could y'all not like for once just not lie can you just tell the truth? I think there was one episode where they do tell the truth. It gets spun so that it's a lie. It was it was a, it was a lot, but I got so frustrated with that show. And I know that there are PLL fans out there who are just as frustrated because at some point the story just didn't add up. And I'm just like, what? What? Come on. But yeah. If you look at the shows and you look at the, the women in these shows, each of them have their own archetypes that they fit into, but they could dip into the other type depending on the episode because there are times when the Iron Maiden or the mother type is not available. So the childlike figure goes to the sex object for advice and it's like they actually come up with some pretty decent advice. It just... It depends on the whole dynamic of the show, or the episode of the time. So, that's the episode for you guys. I'm sorry for venting. I was really just trying to show you how each of these four shows were intertwined in its own way. And I might need to watch some of those other TV shows. I did watch Mistresses. I remember watching Mistresses, and that was also very messy but anyway follow the podcast for news and updates at katie time podcast on twitter and instagram my email is katie at gmail.com if you are looking for a way to listen to more episodes my link tree is link tree slash katie time wherever you are listening to this subscribe 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 thanks for listening i'll catch you guys later Deuces.